You're in the book of Jonah, chapter 3, halfway point. Verses 1 through, let's read through verse 5 this morning. So I ask you to stand in our great God's honor as I read the text. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very important city. A visit required three days. On the first day, Jonah started into the city. He proclaimed, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. The Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast. And all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. Let's pray. Father, the word word of God tells us that we stand condemned already. That we need forgiveness. That we need the gospel. And that you came. Father, we, as we look at Jonah, your servant. Father, I pray this morning we would see what happens when you work, Lord. And that you would call us to you. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. You know, a lot of people, as they know the book of Jonah and the story of Jonah, and in Sunday school and through our familiarity with Bible stories, we say, hey, the most important stuff in the book, it's already happened. I mean, you know, you had this prophet of God, this holy man of God. And God says, I want you to go speak to these people. And he says, no way, I'm not going to do it. So he starts running the opposite direction. He's a fugitive. He's supposed to listen to the voice of God. But the last thing he wants to hear is what God is telling him. And so he runs literally to the other end of the earth from where he was instead of going the direction God wanted him to go. He's on a ship and he's sleeping so his conscience isn't bothering him. This big storm comes up. All of a sudden he gets awakened. And the guy says, you need to cry out to your God. We're going to go down in this storm. Why are you asleep? What's wrong with you? He says, oh, just throw me overboard. Now, suddenly, instead of running away from God, he's in the middle of the water. We don't know exactly what happened, but I think he had a time of prayer. And it was time to start praying, especially as he saw this big fish swimming towards him. And what looked like certain death as he looked like fish food, big fish. But instead, it ended up being God's taxi, water taxi, to get him where he needed to go. And he gets uh, belched up on the beach. And then he heads toward the direction of where God originally wanted him to go. Say, so, hey, we've already hit the fun part of the book. Oh, no. Man, as I looked at this text, these words, I thought it is just so. Man, this is what we need. You see, as you look in this text, you, you see God shows up. He, he, he brings revival to a prophet who's headed the wrong way. He's running the wrong direction. But God gets a hold of his heart. And the result of that is an evangelistic crusade. 
of hundreds of thousands of people turning to God. Now there's something in there. Something we need to hear. We have revivals. Some of us have experienced personal revivals. But I don't know what happens to us. We do not stay close to God. We drift away. I think of that hymn that says, Prone to leave the God I love. Prone to wander, Lord. Man, that's the testimony of all of us. God is so great. God is so good. Why don't we stay close? Well, I think there's a message in this text that we're going to look at this morning to remind us of the majesty of God and how He wants us close. So let's open our text here. And first thing I want to point out is remember Jonah's first chance. And we've already looked at him. He was a successful prophet. Taught other prophets how to be a prophet. I mean, he was the man. Used of God. But then he gets this assignment from God. To go to Nineveh. And guess what? Just because you know how to be a man of God. Does not mean you are a man of God. Just because you can teach it. Or just because you can preach it. Doesn't guarantee you're going to live it. And he has chosen not to live it. He has chosen to run away from God. And I mean let's face it. Why does the guy deserve a second chance? He's run as far as he can go to the opposite side of the world from where God has told him to go. I mean, if I was God, I'd just say, man, let's just find somebody else. There's bound to be somebody else out there who has a willing heart. Somebody out there who will listen to my call. Somebody out there who will follow. It's not Jonah. And yet I am so grateful. That we have a God who does not toss us aside when we do not obey. When we do not follow His call. Because the truth is, Jonah is not the first guy or the last guy that has said no to the call of God. We know what that looks like, don't we? So why? Why did Jonah run? Well, just a couple of reasons here. Number one, patriotism. By patriotism, I mean the Jews. They were the chosen people. God set aside, called people. God speaks to the Jews. And as a Jew, he thought, God's called me. Not that bunch. That's a mean bunch. I don't want to go into all the detail. And there's some gory, hor- horrific stories of how the, the Ninevites would torture people. They were cruel. Jonah basically looked at these people and he had a resentment in his heart. He said, God, I, I'm not going to go there. Those people deserve hell. Those people deserve punishment. They don't deserve you. They don't deserve your salvation. I'm not doing it. You know, it broke my heart yesterday. As like me and you, I followed some of the news over there in Charlottesville. 
I don't, I, I'm not into trying to get in some kind of political message. That's not my point at all. point is you've got two groups of people start becoming violent toward one another. Do not see the image of God or the grace of God on the people on the other side of the line. And they get violent towards each other. Because they say, you don't understand me and I hate you. I'm not gonna, I, you don't deserve any mercy. You're scum. Both sides. That's where Jonah was. Not the Ninevites. They don't deserve God's mercy. They deserve his judgment. Salvation's for the Jews. We'll show you something interesting though. Turn back when we're getting to the end of chapter 2. This is when old Jonah was still in the belly of that fish. Getting some good old digestive juices (laughs) on him. Verse 8, I always love this verse. He says, those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. As he prayed, he realized, God, I have not been following you. I've been going through idols of who I am and how great I am and how great the people I'm a part of are, Lord. That's my idol. I've been clinging there and I've missed the grace of God. I forfeited the grace of God. But there was an old revival that happened to him in that fish. Look at verse 10. I love it. Or verse 9. He says, But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. What old Jonah do? He realized it wasn't about me being a Jew, me and being a part of the, the hand-picked group of God. It's about me a messed up old sinner who has received the kindness and the mercy of God. And man, I'm going to shout and I'm going to jump. Hard for us to do that as Baptists, isn't it? We are floor bound. But man, there was some excitement happening in that old preacher, in that old prophet, because he realized salvation is not to just a specific group of people. It's not just exclusive to the Kingsway crowd. No, salvation, it comes from the Lord to all people. To everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, salvation is available. Whether I think you deserve it or not. It's from the Lord. (laughs) It's interesting here. He gets spit up on dry ground. He gets a second chance. That's where our text leads us. Today, verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Man, I love that. I am so grateful to my God that His mercies are new every morning. That He is in the business of restoring us instead of just throwing us off to the side and picking somebody Aren't you glad? It's interesting. This call is the same call he got. This is the second time. If you go back to how the book begins, chapter 1, it says the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. God knows Jonah's heart. He mentions that wickedness and Jonah was approving 
Yep, they're a wicked bunch. They need some. They need to preach them, but I don't want to speak to them. But look at the second time God called to them. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. He doesn't mention the wickedness on the recall. The second call. Why? Because it's not about Nineveh. They're the same people. They're still a dirty, rotten bunch of ugly sinners. But Jonah's changed. Jonah's had a chance to look in the mirror. I don't know. There was somewhere to get a reflection down there in that well gut. (laughs) And he just saw he was a dirty old sinner. And God got a hold of him. No longer was it just merely about the wickedness of the Ninevites. He said, it's the wickedness of my heart. I was running the wrong direction from God. And it's time to go his way. God knows what is best. And so revival happened in his heart. I mean, you see it through the scripture. You know, Peter, Jesus said, you're going to deny me three times. No way, Lord. I'll be there no matter what happens. You can count on me. We know what happened. Denied him three times. Rooster crowed. But God used him to bring a message in Acts chapter 2. 3,000 people got saved in one day. And it was his second chance. You say, man, I'm all washed up. Not too quick. Maybe God has something for you. He knows all about that mess you are ashamed of. He has a call. Thomas, he wasn't there. I will not believe unless I see the nail marks in his hand. In his side. He didn't even have to touch him though. The minute he saw Jesus. He said. My Lord and my God. Second chances. Ready to serve. John, Mark, Barnabas and Paul. They're arguing. Paul says. Hey. You know. Times got tough as a missionary. John, Mark couldn't depend on him. He ran off. But you got to trust him. Paul. No way. I'm not trusting him. And then we read later on. In the scriptures. What's Paul say? Bring John Mark. I need him. What happened? Paul was reminded once again. About the marvelous grace of God. The second chance. That God so beautifully provides. James Montgomery Boyce. Wrote in his commentary on Jonah this. If we were to say. Go home now Jonah. I'm glad you repented of your disobedience. But you're no longer useful to me. We would be just and reasonable in doing so. Does God always do that? Does God stoop to use those who have rejected his commission, turn to a deaf ear to his word, pursued a course of determined disobedience? Yes, he does. If he did not, none of us could serve him. Amen. Another commentator wrote, Honest reflection compels the believer to speak of him as the God of the 999th chance. How many times have we been forgiven and had yet another opportunity given to us to do something for Jesus Christ? George Morrison, a Scottish pastor several generations ago that God used powerfully, wrote these words. The victorious Christian life is really nothing more than a series of new beginnings. And I just love it. I can't get too much of that. Because I know who I am. And God does too. But before you start shouting, I know, and pointing, you're right there with me, buddy. Okay, Jonah's sacred charge. Look here in verse 2. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it 
the message I give you. There's a point I want to say here. You know, you think about old Jonah. He had quite a testimony, didn't he? I mean, I would think that rascal could fill up any church. Come and hear the guy that spent three days in a big fish. Come and hear about the guy who had ran from God and God turned him back and he came out all white because he'd been sitting in digestive juices of that big old fish. Come and hear Jonah, the great man of God. God, God didn't say, Jonah, go tell them your story. He'd say, Jonah, go tell them about where you've been. I'm not saying there's not a place for that. But that wasn't the specific call. The specific call was, Tell them my message. Tell them about me. Tell them about they need to turn toward me. Matter of fact, for all who preach, I think of the charge Paul gave Timothy in 2 Timothy 4.2. He said, preach the word. Be prepared in season, out of season, rebuke, correct, encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Man, don't just talk about a bunch of pop psychology. Or don't just give a, a bunch of points of these are the ten ways to be a, a better, better dad or, or mom or, or the five ways to keep a job or impress your boss. No, tell them about me and my message. That's the call. Jonah, get out there. Do that. That hasn't changed. Romans 1.16 tells us, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. The Jew first and the Greek. All of us. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. So let me, let me move on here. Uh, he preaches that word <laughs> with power. He proclaims that awesome, awesome word. Verse Three Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very important city. A visit required three days. He takes off for those three days. On the first day, Jonah started into the city. He proclaimed forty more days, and Nineveh will be overturned. He didn't come in. I don't think it was about Jonah. I mean, he couldn't have been too purdy. There's nowhere to fix up in a well stomach. He didn't have a change of clothes. Matter of fact, I would think he's probably... He smelled. You know? Fishy. Icky fishy. It's probably what I believe. Okay, enough of that. I got to preach so he, 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 you know, he hit that, he hit that smell, but, but he took off. One of their major gods was Dagon. Dag means fish, fish god. So when he came in, they thought, what in the world is going on? I've been in a fish for three days, a big fish. Probably a sperm whale is what many of us believe. And God sent me here this way. Wait a minute. Here's a guy that was getting a taxi from our God to get here to tell us a message from his God. Man. And, and so I believe that the message started spreading. 
this is one way God worked because he, he met them where they were. That the God that they worshipped, they saw a God that was over that God. He, he had that power. And, and this message he, he came with, they listened to, they, they heard. And there's an insinuation to everybody in the kingdom. And we see that even the king, that he, he was able to go to the king and he was able to share the message. And what was the message that he shared? Well, it wasn't to win friends and influence people. It was repent. If you don't repent, I'm going to destroy you. This city will be destroyed. It will be overturned. It will be demolished. It will be broken. I'm afraid too often we come to church to feel good. But let me tell you something. The message that he preached says, you don't feel good till you feel bad. You don't find love and forgiveness till you understand you stink. You're a mess. You're in trouble. You need a savior. You need to be forgiven. You got to get that first before you get the other. And so as he, he preached, I love it. Man, God moved with power. Ears were opened, hearts were opened. I, idolatry fell away as God moved. Look, look here with me at verse 4. On the first day Jonah started in the city, he proclaimed 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. The Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. Men, the message, it didn't fall on deaf ears. It wasn't. Oh, there's a religious nut talking about God's mad. He wants to hurt me. He didn't say, well, there's no such thing as judgment or hell. What happened? God got a hold of them. They had to come to grips with where they were. And it says they were broken. They put on sackcloth. Why did they put on sackcloth? Because it was a way of having this itchy, terrible fabric against your skin and, and it was a way of trying to somehow show God I'm sorry I'm broken God I have messed up God I totally need your forgiveness let me tell you guys something God's work is still the same I love Matthew four seventeen. Um, in the NIV <laughs> I learned this thing in the Amplified. You know, the Amplified just really stretches stuff out. Uh, in the NIV, it says, From that time on, Jesus began to preach. Now, this is after his great temptation in the wilderness. Comes out there, it says, From that time on, Jesus began to preach. What did he preach? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. It's really the same message. Quit acting like you don't need God. Quit giving Him lip service, but you don't give Him life service. Quit refusing to repent. To be honest about where you are. To be honest about your sinfulness. About your heart. When you see how holy He is. And His demands and, and what He calls Him. Start letting God speak to you. Here's what it says in the Amplified. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, crying out. I like that crying out. 
I love it. Jesus obviously wasn't funny, soft-spoken, sweet, cuddly preachers. He's crying out. What did he cry out? Repent. The Amplified says, repent, that is, change your mind for the better. And this is about your mind. Jesus says, where's your mind? Where's your thought life? Where do you spend your time thinking when you got time to think? What does your mind revert to? Change your mind for the better. What's the better? Quit running away from God. Run to God. That's what he's talking about. Change your mind for the better. Heartily amend your ways. In other words, think right. But it's got to be more than just what's thinking. What are you doing? Heartily amend your ways. Go God's direction with your life. With, with your actions. Your, your, your thoughts need to lead your actions. Your actions need to be a product of your thoughts. Showing that you've repented. That you've turned to God. And the next part of it says. With abhorrence of your past sins. In other words, I love the way Billy Sunday used to put it. Stop treating sin like a cream puff. And treat sin like a rattlesnake. Sin is serious Business. Then he ends by, for the kingdom of heaven's at hand. Let me, uh, turn me to Romans chapter 6. I thought about this, uh, how Romans 6 ends. He's talking about the whole chapter that everybody's a slave, but there's two types of slaves. There's no third choice, guys. You're either a slave to sin or you're a slave to righteousness. That's the battle. The only way to be a slave to righteousness is through Jesus Christ our Lord. And as it closes here, uh, verse 18, he says, You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. These rascals, they put on that sackcloth and they cried out to God and they understood their sin. They were broken over it. And they really wanted to change with the power of God. Uh, verse 19, or verse 21. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Hey man, are you ashamed of where you're at? Don't stay there. God wants to forgive you. But he don't want you to sit there. Notice what he says. Uh, what benefit did you reap at that time from the things you're now ashamed of? Those things result in death. Now ultimately we know if you just keep sitting there you are going to die. I told somebody the other day this health care stuff's driving me nuts. I just found out with our insurance anthem. Um, is going to drop from um, the Affordable Care Act, which is what we're into. So, in 2018, I, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. But, you know, I told Greg or some other people the other day, I said, I have a plan. My plan is I will never get sick. The problem is I have not figured out how to carry out my plan. Just small problems, small problems, small problems. But death comes. But, but let me tell you something. Until that ultimate death where we enter eternity, there are small deaths. 
Sin destroys relationships. Sin destroys people's health. Sin destroys jobs. Sin destroys uh, people's money. Takes it away. Small deaths along the way. Verse 22 says, But now that you have been set free from sin, have you been set free from sin? And become servants to God, or slaves to God. The benefits you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. The verse you guys know, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus our Lord. When it says back to Jonah. (laughs) I know I'm at the end. Hold on guys. When it says verse 5. The Ninevites believed God. This is what I think it's talking about. Alright. We call this stuff invitation response. Whatever you call it. We have an altar that is open. Where are you? We're talking about here at the end of September and October 1st, we have our next prayer uh, renewal weekend, spiritual renewal weekend, church journey. And the emphasis is on prayer. That's just communication with God. Hey, are the communication lines open? What is he saying to you? Do you need to come to the altar? Let me say something. We don't, this place is supposed to be Holy. We don't come up much. I just encourage you. Do you want to see revival? Do you want to see lives changed? Well, I I don't have all the answers. I look at this account here in Nineveh. Has God used this old rascal Noah that... Noah. Jonah, I came. Preacher, don't you know nothing? Jonah, okay... He used old Jonah that we would have probably discarded. He he chose to use, and he can still use us to accomplish his will. And he wants to. And I don't have all the answers of how he's going to carry that out. But I can tell you this. I believe it always starts with prayer. Will you come? Will you pray? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Jonah. But really, we thank you for you. Because you met him where he shouldn't have been and took him where he should be. Father, maybe that rings true to to us this morning. Are we where we need to be? Is there somewhere else we should be? Do we need to come to the altar and and deal with that? Lord, we don't want to just rock along. We want the rock. Oh God. We invite you in this time we call invitation. May we come to this altar. May we make decisions right where we are. May we repent. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.